Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the city of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Give me two. What's up, everybody? Sorry, we're a few minutes late. We had some technical difficulties, but that doesn't matter now because we're live right here for you. It's the Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter. All standard social medias. The Discord's free. We'll drop that link in the live chat. If you have questions, drop it in the live chat. It's Benjamin Chase, Michael Govier. We're going to talk about two different teams today. It's the Prospects Power Half Hour. We're talking about the Atlanta Braves, and we're talking about the next big three, Okay. And we're also going to talk about the Baltimore Orioles and their next big three. We all know who the big studs are, but who are the next three guys to keep an eye out for as we move forward? And that's why we brought along none other than Eric Birdland from Twitter himself. Mr. Eric Garfield is here. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks for coming aboard. This is the Palazzo Podcast. We're happy to have some Orioles chatter here. Thanks, guys, for having me. I'm always looking for the opportunity to talk Orioles no matter what season it is. That's a good thing. That's an absolutely great thing. And Ben, you made this thing happen, but I, I swear I knew Eric from Twitter, and it turns out we were I was following you from the Palazzo account for a while, but I wasn't from my personal MJ Govey account, which I rectified. And you guys Thank could you. all follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Birdland. Did I get that right, right off the top of my head? You did. Okay. So how did you make this happen, Ben? Fill us in. Well, I've, I, I don't honestly remember when I first got – connected with eric it's been a long while since we've been kind of going back and forth but i've put out stuff about orioles prospects for a long time and he commented about it and we went back and forth about orioles prospects back in the day and we've just been chatting about the orioles ever since and so and about all prospects really but uh, eric's a good follow if you're interested in guys that are down in florida uh he has a good connect uh, you're a good, good ability to see a lot of guys down there. And if you're wanting video of guys that are down there, he's an excellent follow for that because he'll get video of a lot of guys, especially, especially good guy to follow for Instagram for that reason. Um, follow him on, I mean, and then you can also see great pictures of his dog. You know, that's always nice too. Um, but, uh, Twitter or Instagram, you get great videos of ball players down in Florida. Um, and you get to see lots of, of and not just Orioles. I mean, he's he's definitely big on his Orioles, but he loves watching the big prospects as they come through uh, down in the complex leagues specifically. And so he gets a lot of the really big time draft prospects as they come through. A lot of the big international guys as they come through. And then sometimes you'll get a guy that you didn't know was going to pop, and 
I, I swear there's a lot of guys when I go through and I did my Braves top hundred prospect list here recently, I was searching for video. You go to the Twitter, you search video and you're looking for a guy's name and they've only been in, you know, the only place they've got any video you can archive is in the Florida uh, complex league. And Eric's video is one of the few videos you can find out there because he's one of the few guys who's putting publicly available video out from the complex league down there. And so he's a really good source to follow for that reason, if nothing else. So plus he's got good takes on all prospects, but specifically about his Orioles guys. So good guy to have on. And when I decided to, when we thought we'd get started with going through lists and we were going to talk about Orioles, Eric was the first guy I thought of. So I have nothing to add. That was a perfect introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> Eric, why do you love the Orioles so much? I mean, is it just because you've lived in Maryland or what's the deal? Uh, well, I did. I was born in Maryland and uh, we had like when I was young, we had season tickets for Memorial Stadium. So uh, born in the late 70s. So I'm actually one of the few Orioles fans that has vivid memories of an actual championship season. So that was like one, once they won in 1983, I was hooked for life. And when I chose to move, I wanted to move somewhere that was close to their complex. So where I live now in uh, like Sarasota, Bradenton, I'm actually like distance wise closer to the Pirates, but I make my way to the Orioles every single day I can. So I'm an Orioles fan for life. I'm hooked, win or lose. I lived in Maryland for a couple of years. I lived outside of Annapolis over okay. there in Severna Park slash Pasadena. So Anne Arundel County. Of, that's right. The one and only. The most fascinating, the most highly touted, classy sounding county I've ever lived in. Anne Arundel County. Clearly some English princess from the late 1600s, I'm sure. But what we care about here is prospects. And we don't want to dive into the routine okay we know who the big threes are usually when we talk baltimore orioles and we're going to talk braves here too so that's basically the focus of the show we got ben we got eric and these guys both know prospects so as we move into the off season we're going to go through the christmas break here we'll be off next week just to let you know holiday break everyone deserves it and then starting in the new year we'll continue forth with this prospect review mainly about who's the next big three in these organizations you know label and identify the three according to the experts and also get their take on who's coming up next within the system as the big three so let's not waste any time this is supposed to be a half hour show so i want to dive right into it eric i want you to lay it out for me don't have to kowtow you don't have to follow the herd I know you don't. You seem like a guy who likes to make his own way. So what's your top three prospects right now in the Orioles organization? The first three that, you know, a lot of us will probably agree on because it's becoming pretty obvious who those players are in the system. Okay. Pipeline has starting pitcher Grayson Rodriguez, uh, top draft pick Jackson Holiday, and already made the Orioles infielder Gunnar Henderson. So my list is di – I respect that, but my list is different. My number one, corner, third base, Kobe Mayo. My number two, infielder, predominantly second baseman, Connor Norby. And my number three, outfielder who I mocked to the Orioles uh, in my prospect live draft, and that's Colton Kowser. So Mayo, Norby, Kowser. That's my one, two, three. Wow, hell yeah. yeah. See, now that's coming in hot and fresh, Eric. That's what I like to hear. Ben, instant response to that top three. For the... 
Now, Eric, you're saying top three or your next three? Those are my – when I made my prospect list, those are one, two, three, my top three. Now, what I will say is I know everyone loves Gunner, and I've got him rated high too. There's – a lot of folks have him as a done deal. I don't have him at that level yet. I like him a lot. I saw a lot of progress from where he was as a draft prospect, which I really liked him as a draft prospect, to where he is now. He has made a ton of progress. But there's still work to do. And the other thing, and I just posted this for those who are looking for a reason to go into our Patreon or into the the Palazzo podcast and uh, go – go check out the discord um a facebook group that i'm in mark simon from sports info info solutions is part of that group and he posted something from uh bobby scales who happens to be one of their their lead guys and he was talking about the difficulty of transitioning positions at the major league level and gunner is really going to end up probably doing that he's going to move from playing shortstop predominantly all the way up through the system and then getting to the major league level and having to transition to third. And it's a different read. It's a different read off the bat. It's a different read off the grass. It's a different read to the wall, to the outfield. And Bobby's had a really good, really good explanation of how that's completely different. And Bobby's a former major league infielder. I mean, he was a reserve guy, but he played around the infield quite a bit. But he had a really good take on it. And why this is going to probably not be the easiest thing in the world for Carlos Correa as he goes to the Mets is where this is coming from. But one of the things that people just kind of pass over, like this is not going to be a big deal at all for Gunner, is Gunner still is working on some stuff offensively, and he's got that transition to make too. Now, Jorge Mateo is a legit gold glover next to him defensively. But his name has been floated around in trade rumors. And if he loses that next to him defensively, that could really shake some things up for him making that transition to the big leagues. So <clears throat> I I like Gunner a lot. I think the talent level there is really high. There's a reason why a lot of places have him as the top overall prospect. But I don't I mean, I, I respect anyone who doesn't have him in the legit as a top overall guy with it. I mean, Eric, right now we're talking the Orioles have a legit argument as the top system in all of baseball. Yep. And I really don't have a, a big argument. Any guys in their top, like seven, you can make a decent argument for number one, two, three. Yep. It's never now, been like never been like that in my life and and no. gunner is great but the reason that i i don't have him is you know i consider i don't consider him a prospect because he's already broken the threshold Which, he's not going yep. to minor league camp in february and he's not going to <laughs> ever again under any circumstances so when i rank the prospects to me he's a pro and grayson i guess you know people might say well eric you should have grayson first same thing when camp breaks he's not he, you know he, in Sarasota, he's not pitching at the minor league camp this year. Yeah. If not for his injury late in development last year, 
he'd already be in the bigs also, and he'd begin, you know, beginning his, his, his major league service clock. So they're uber talented guys. But Ben, I think what you said, like, even without them, look at the top six or seven, like seven is Heston Kerstad. You can make a big argument for him as number one too. Just, you know, that's, that's not what I'm here to do. Yep. And that's, I mean, I think I've seen places around that are, you know, public facing lists that have had, uh, as far as your, I mean, most places have Gunner Grayson number one and number two because they're still technically prospect eligible. But as far as that number three guy, I mean, yeah, Holiday is your typical number three. But I've seen Cowser a lot of places. I've seen, uh, I've seen Westbrook as number three a few places. You know, that's a popular. I mean, that that's a a spot that's not sure in that system and you're talking these are guys who are considered right now they're getting future value grades of 55 and 60 as the number three prospect in that organization that's a plus prospect as in what they're projecting is this is a future all-star as the third best prospect in the orioles organization that's a hell of an organization to talk about so but eric if we're transitioning then Coming up, you know, I guess I'm probably going to end up talking, you know, for one, I'm one of the guys, technically two of them we've already talked about on my list of the guys upcoming. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about Norby because he's one of the guys you mentioned. What did he do this year to get Connor Norby? What did he do this year to make the changes he did? I guess. He got a position, so he knows his role at second base. It's not middle infielder. It's not shortstop. He's the second baseman. And he came out of the draft from ECU as a contact guy who's going to spray the ball all over the field, take pitches, let pitches get deep, and go the other way. You know, his skill was contact and, and driving it through the holes. In the minor leagues, another sign of the system is, you know, the, the system success is that players are excelling, but not necessarily in their post-draft profile. So he just started hitting doubles to the warning track and home runs over the wall. I believe if he wasn't first, he was very close to the top in organizational home runs. Yeah. Kind of 5-10. So the, the yeah, Jeff Combs can start rolling in. When I, I wrote an article about it, like, I want to say – almost a year to 14 months going backwards about how if there's anyone in the system that I see as a 300 hitter all the way up climbing the ladder, it's him. And then his response to that was hitting 27 home runs as a second baseman. So how, how can you not absolutely love a pro an offensive profile like that? And he's, and the thing is, he's a good enough athlete. Yeah. That he's going to, I mean, he's going to stick at second. I mean, he's not, He's not going to win you probably any gold gloves at second, but he's not going to be so bad. You got to get him off the position, but he's going to steal you 10 bases. You know, if you're talking fantasy, he's going to steal you 10, 15 bases too. I mean, he's a good enough athlete that he's a, and, and he's a very good base runner. Now I already see in, in our comment section here, one of my other guys that I'm talking about going for the future. Okay. And that's, and he's one of the ones that hasn't been mentioned, and that's Joey Ortiz. And I got to tell you, I'm a guy who loves defensive porn. Um, 
you know, do, you know, give me a guy who can who can just pick it out in the field. And Joey Ortiz is that guy in the especially in the upper levels of the Orioles system. Holy crap, can that guy play some defense and really on either side of the keystone. He really, you know, I've right. seen him play a little bit of second base and he really is a stud there, but he can handle I mean, he's fluid at short. He may not be one of those guys that he's not a He's not an Anderson Simmons at short, but he's one of those guys that you look up and he's made every single play that's come near him all game long. And he's not done. He's not taken a bad step the entire time. You're right. His footwork is his defensive calling card more than more than his glove, more than anything else. His positioning right now is elite. It is major league level. However, there's a lot of shortstops in the system. So you're kind of like, to discuss who's going to make it through and, you know, who should stay and who should be dealt, you really kind of almost have to nitpick. So one thing that I know about Ortiz, comparatively, his arm, his throwing arm across mm-hmm. the diamond, doesn't register the same metrics as other people we're going to discuss and already have. I know Jackson Holiday, for example, his game in the infield is less refined. His positioning is not elite as of right now. But his arm already is better than Joey Ortiz oh, yeah. from oh, yeah. the whole. So as much as I really like Ortiz and his rise is another sign of the system's success, I'm wondering as the Orioles try to bolster their actual major league pitching staff with, with veterans, not prospects, if he's going to be one of the guys that when another organization asks, the Orioles will give in and say yes. Now, I will say, you know, we're going to talk about it, but I've been drumming this beat all all winter long with my Braves fans friends that if they're looking for a challenge trade to do a minor league trade to do the Orioles are looking for arms Braves are looking for a shortstop and a guy who can really pick it there's a there's a match right there because the Braves have a lot of upper level arms that are major league ready and you know Joey Ortiz would look awfully nice picking up the ball and he's probably not going to hurt you offensively. He's not going to be elite, but he's not going to hurt you offensively. So 500 games of him and Vaughn Grissom as a double play combination sounds like uh, something that Ben would accept. I, I would be okay with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure you, you got Ozzy Albies too, you know, he, he's okay there too, but you know, yeah, I, I would, <laughs> I would find a way to, I would find a way to accept that, but um, I'm sure you would. So th- those are my guys. And then I, my other, my third guy is that I had as far as the guys who are your kind of your next three coming up. It's, it's a great story. It's awesome to see Heston Kierstead back on the field and doing what he does. That's just all I'll say about that. And, and Govier was there in the AFL watching him just crush balls. Oh, and, but I mean, he's just the guy, you can tell he loves the game. And when he's able to be on the field, he's where he wants to be in life. <laughs> you know, it's just You're totally right. You, you can just tell he's where he, where he should be. You know, it just, you could tell he missed being there. And yeah. I know that from the time when he had to recover <laughs> post post COVID, I mean, this guy was in Sarasota for the better part of 14 consecutive months, trying to improve, trying to show the coaches his skill, trying to begin his developmental track upwards. So, even after he gained health, he had to wait for kind of like the sport to come back. As soon as camps opened last year, when he was on the field, 
I mean, this guy was absolutely shining in drills. He's not a five-tool Olympic athlete, but he can play outfield. He can definitely play outfield. Mm-hmm. He can get the ball, pivot cleanly, throw to every single base. He's not a center fielder. He's a corner. So, I mean, offense is going to be his calling card, and his lower body is so strong. His swing is clean enough. He's going to hit for power every single way you can measure power, over-the-wall power, ISO power, whatever you want to take. But he's also not a zero athlete, not even close to it. I think he's an excellent athlete. So mm-hmm. it's like a 500, 600 plate appearance every day, every day outfielder. And, and you know, he's not he's not the Orioles number one, despite being uh, their top draft pick a couple years ago. <laughs> so, right. First he's just that, you know, what Orioles fans and social media fans started to uh, identify as injury prone or early, you know, bus yeah. type of talk. I, I broke out my videos and I was like, oh, a bus can do this. A bus can throw from the warning track to second with no bounce and then hit a home run in the, you know, five consecutive home runs in the cage. You know, this guy's not an average player. He really is a star type of player. So yeah. good call, Ben. So your next three. My next three. Okay. I'm going to go with one pitcher and two guys that I've seen excel starting in the FCL. And because we haven't talked about a ton of pitchers, I'm going to talk about this one first. The uh, diminutive right-handed pitcher, Gene Pinto, that was acquired from the uh, Angels in the Jose Iglesias deal, which Mm -hmm. is a trade that some Orioles fans are still a little cranky about. They've never seen Pinto. Pinto had, when the ball leaves his hand, it's just he is that kind of athlete that there is nothing straight about its path. He cannot throw it straight. There's so much finger movement and and strength and dexterity. Everything he throws is spinning. I want to say wildly, but that's not a good good term. Just he, he spins it into location. So he's one guy that's kind of started to gain a little bit of following. But I think this year, if he comes to camp and those early pitches are spinning, it, it, it's going to be a, an explosion year for him. And he works out. You know, the Orioles are starting to show a little bit of faith in him. His body is fine. So I also see a potential for a, sl- a moderate innings load increase. Like he's on a starter track, not a interesting uh, reliever track. So he, he's one. The other one is infielder uh, Frederick Ben Cosme, who mm-hmm. is an international signing and someone that I, I, you know, developed a relationship with because I go to the rookie league games and nobody else does. And I go to all their drills and nobody else does. So Freddie was an interesting case. Last year, really skinny in the FCL, but got a lot of hits and worked a lot of counts. Like, really, other team scouts started to notice, like, we can't keep this guy off base. So the reason that I'm so high on him is because he moved from the FCL quickly, surprisingly, to Delmarva. I was in Delmarva in early June. He got called up. So my friend... Maryland's Eastern Shore, I remember we celebrated his call-up at, at KFC. And he did great He did great in Delmarva, like even more more of a surprise. You could not get him out. The the He got a nickname, Freddie Bass Knox, from the broadcaster. He was a fan favorite. As soon as everybody started to like him, boom, up another level. So yeah. in like 100 days, he went from the rookie league to the, Aberdeen, the playoff Aberdeen Ironbirds as a regular. Now... He, you know, I can already tell he's not like resting on his laurels. 
He's posting workout videos every single day. He's gained 15 pounds. This guy is going to come to Sarasota and assume the role of the lower minors shortstop king. It's him versus Jackson every day. Like last yeah. year was Gunner versus Westberg. For someone like me, that's more than a little stimulating. That That's a lot to see. So well, credit it's, number it's two. It's a rare guy that they've they've developed through their international program because their it's, international program has, I mean, they had none and he's one of the, like one of the first fruits of that. So he's right They're They're basically are, are really none because Pinto's from the angels. So Freddie is one. The other one is, I think the future crown jewel of the Orioles system. And that is today catcher Samuel Basayo. He's in the same J2 class as, as Ben Cosme. So, Basayo is just a massive person, like mm -hmm. the size of a bouncer sitting on top of a bouncer. He's just so, <laughs> so big. So it makes me think he's not going to stay. Uh oh, here's we can do a good reference for guys our age. Like his body type is kind of like double Mark Parent, which is very hard, <laughs> a very large person. So he was the three hitter for the FCL team or the four hitter. He played first or DH the days after he caught. His best skill is throwing. So he's very difficult to steal on. But eventually his pop times are going to be affected by the fact that he's he's going to be six foot five, 235 pounds. No, I don't even know if he's 18 yet. So he's an wow. outstanding, an outstanding yeah. uppercut swing. Uh, he doesn't really work counts or demonstrate like a true on-base profile yet but he's so young and the fact that the team used him like every day, heavy use makes me think that there's no, no shot of him starting the FCL. He's going to Delmarva when we break camp this year. So the international thing is kind of slowly working, but Ben Cosme and Basayo are two of the like bell cows that they can like hang their hat on that. Yeah. Th th this is going forward in a positive direction. This is what I love about international signings. He's listed at six three one eighty. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I mean, no <laughs> way is that guy 6'3", 180. Like, he is two and a Neither. quarter if he's, a, you know, if he's 100 pounds. I mean, looking at him right now, he's he's definitely two and a, two and a quarter. I'm going to say between that and 235. And also, he's lost a little bit of baby fat. Yeah. So, like, in the last three months. So, the, the leader for home run distance in camps and drills has <laughs> – Catching prospect Creed Willems. I think this is the year that Basayo catches him. He's just so big. Wow, that's incredible. It's so fascinating to hear about these players. This is what we wanted. That's why we have Eric Garfield on here live. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Birdland. He is an Orioles aficionado. But guys, I want to switch gears to Atlanta because we're already we're already moving into a half hour here. So that was really, really good stuff. But we got to talk about the next big three and the opening three for the Atlanta Braves. So, Ben, let me turn it back over to you now as we dive into the Atlanta system. We got a great taste of what's going on within the Orioles system and the future of it. Now let's hear about Atlanta. Did you know that we sold out and we now have advertisements? Yeah, we've gone mainstream. We're getting $6. That's right. We've made 6 bucks so far. Can you believe it? What a dream come true. $6. Anyways, I wanted to give you some preparation, some time to be cognizant that a commercial is coming your way. I'm not just going to throw a commercial mid-sentence on you. I wouldn't do that. I respect you, and I know that's annoying. 
So here's a countdown for the upcoming advertisement from Starbucks or Spectrum, Comcast, Apple, who the hell knows. Three, a two, one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So my first three guys with Atlanta, um, the only one that's probably not going to be consensus, uh, my top guy I got in there is Jared Schuster. That's probably going to be your consensus number one guy. Um, my, num- my number two is Dylan Dodd, and we'll come back to him here in a bit. And then my number three is A.J. Smith-Shaver. Um, my number two, Dylan Dodd, he's a guy that the Braves got, and he was their third-round pick. Uh, in 2021 out of Southeast Missouri State. And I project him very, very similar to Ian Anderson. He's a guy who relies heavily on a fastball that's not elite in velocity, and it's actually on the opposite side of what you typically want to get for spin. But what he does is he locates that sucker so well And he is so good at working up and down and in and out with his curve and with his change that the guy had incredible uh, strikeout numbers all the way up through AA last year. I mean, this is a guy, like I said, he he works with a 92, 94-mile-an-hour fastball. That's not a great fastball. But also you have to realize this guy is in AA. In this system right now, he's banging on the door. He's the type of guy who probably, if they needed him to, is going to spend some time in uh, in AAA and be ready for the majors this year. Um, because he's that guy who can fill in in the back of the rotation the way like Bryce Elder did last year. Come in, throw a few, few games where he's not going to be great, but he's not going to hurt the team. That's the type of pitcher that Dylan Dodd is. And so, uh, but your high... High, high ceiling guy is a is uh, Smith Shaver, and he's hit some triple digits. the The stuff is very sexy, um, but it's consistently getting there. Um, he's learning that uh, same slider that they talked to Spencer Strider, uh, but also understand that Strider came into the Braves after years of being a co- of having college instruction and Smith Shaver is coming straight out of high school. So kind of put that kind of a background. And so he's going to probably take more a year at a time at the a ball levels at the double a things like that, where his strider kind of went through the minors in a year. <laughs> so <coughs> give, give him a couple years and you might see some pretty impressive things at A.J. Smith-Shaver in the in the Braves' upper levels. Um, but that's my top three. Uh, any different guys you would think of, Eric? No, I'm very high on, on the third one, Smith-Shaver, and it's basically because of his current arsenal, the potential for his future arsenal. I, you know, I kind of see him 
I don't know if he's an ace, but if he's an ace type, he's kind of, even though there's been a lot of changes with instruction and coaches, the philosophy for the Braves is still there. So if he's close to an ace, by the time he gets to the majors, he's going to be, at worst, a 1A if everything clicks. Yeah. So I, I, he's one guy that I really like. And as much as Schuster deserves, like, the mantle of the top ranking, I don't know if I'm going to say that about his developmental track, despite me seeing it going potentially a little further. So one guy is a little more consistent. One guy is a little more upside. At this stage, I'm betting on the, the upside guy. And I think yep. you described him quite well. So going through my top next guys, uh, Javier Valdez, he's a catcher that the Braves got and uh, drafted him. And I got, I'd have to remember here. He was do 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 do. 21st round pick in 2019 out of Florida International. So, I mean, digging deep to get this guy. And he actually was mentioned in our interview when we were sitting down to talk with Justin Henry Malloy. That was the name that Justin brought up when I said, so I was looking at some stats of guys in the Brave system and was really impressed by certain guys. And he goes, you talking about my boy, Javi Valdez. And I went, you know, he's one of them, but that actually wasn't who I was originally thinking of. But he definitely is. He's a guy who his numbers jump off the plate. He struck out, or he had an 11 and almost a 12% walk rate. Only struck out about 17% of the time. And he got up to double A. Handles the plate very well. Probably a average to above average power. So for a catcher, that's pretty solid. But where he took huge strides is the guy has really gotten good at framing. Now, granted, that Skill may or may not be a great thing to have going forward, but being able to be there for your pitchers as a catcher, that's always going to have value. And he really... Skills are not sexy, but they win games and win trust. And and that's just it. Like, he's he may not be that guy who's an elite defensive catcher that's going to be a starting catcher down the road, but he's got a little pop. He doesn't strike out a ton, so he's going to be able to get on base once he does get to the plate he's got that perfect like david ross backup catcher profile you know that he's got the trust of all of his pitchers you know he's just kind of got that type of a profile going for him and could move very quickly uh my next guy is didier fuentes was down in the dsl this year and uh i've heard really good things about what he looked like when he was in instructionals this year what at the end of the year but sounds like uh, the, the what I got out of the DSL report that I got was he's maybe the best arm internationally that the Braves have signed since Julio Tehran, okay. which would be a very big thing to say. Um, and he's still barely 17. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. And then last but not least is Owen Murphy. And Owen Murphy, um, yeah, he was the Braves' first draft pick last year. They acquired some, an extra pick, and they drafted a bunch of high school guys. Owen Murphy is working on also developing that same slider that Strider uses. But already, he had excellent ability to command his stuff, has a very repeatable delivery. This is a kid coming out of high school who very well could end up in the majors at some point in 2024 because he just has that about him that the game is never too big for him. 
and that's on the mound. He just, I saw him get beat up in one of his August, his Augusta starts. And he just, he threw good pitches and guys were getting good wood on it. And he just, so he ended up, ended up having to go to his second best stuff and his third best stuff. And they were getting singles on him. It was driving him freaking bonkers. And you could tell that, but he kept going back out and he trusted his catcher and he did what he needed to do. He never got blown away by the game. And that was so stinking impressive out of a, out of a high school draft pick. That's a great observation. Full season ball. That was just really, really good to see. So, right. Development can be like artwork sometimes when you're looking at the right stuff. So <laughs> next that guy's is well up. said. Thank you. Next I, guy's I, up, Eric. Anybody that I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have, I have a pair of them. And just like from my introduction, these are players that guys might, or fans might've like read about, or maybe even bought their baseball cards, but I've actually watched them play. And uh, a lot of fans have not. So uh, first, is a guy that I absolutely love. I have one dynasty league, and I was very, very motivated to pick him up. I was happy when he was there. His stats aren't good yet. He's very young. That is infielder, predominantly shortstop, Ambioris Tavares. I've seen him play in the FCL, and I don't like to use this word, but so far things are a little more raw than refined. Mm-hmm. He's got some athletic skill that jumps off the field for a not large person but he's not exactly using it perfectly so that's that's one guy that i just i have a feeling he's going to start being more of an upside guy and and that feeling is uh, his best friend is Orioles catching prospect uh, Anudis Mordon so this is someone from the Dominican Republic that basically told me everything uh, about Tavares and it's all very you know it's his best friend so most of it is positive mm-hmm. but some of it correlates with what I've seen. Another guy, similar situation, similar profile, outfielder slightly older, that's Brandon Mesquita. Now, I've seen him start to use his gifts much more than, than Tavares. Yeah. You know, articles are slap hitter, singles guy. I see a strong shoulders and chest athlete that's going to be able to display some power. He's got contact skills. And I don't think he's he's a weak person. So I'm probably, because I've seen them do good, show in-game stuff, and practice, I'm probably slightly higher on those two, Mesquita and Tavares, than, than most. But I really like both of them. I'll be paying attention to them this year. And a little bit on Mesquita that folks may not realize, he's one of the – well, he is the only guy that the Braves got back that, were, that was taken away from them in 2017 by the whole – Capoeiras scandal that they had, they had 13 guys taken away from them. Randall Mosquito is the only one that signed back with them, and he's still in the organization. So, yep. but he's finally now into full season ball. So, and defensively, he's a fun guy to watch. I mean, he's he's got he's got a very nice arm when he when he puts it together and he can and he can set himself. His problem is setting himself. He likes to go athletically run for the ball and keep and throw on the run and it's dude stop set your feet and he's got a very accurate arm i won't say he's got a ronald acuna power arm but he's got a very accurate arm when he stops sets himself and throws he can deliver a bb and so that's what you want and it's just a matter of hey he's gotta you know take the time to calm himself down and some of that translates at the plate too is 
calm yourself down. Right. And you've got the raw skills to actually have some power when you do that. But I it's think not, you know, happy, happy. I see a fastball. Woo! And, you know, and, and you get a little too excited about, hey, I guess right on this pitch and you swing a little, you get a little too happy and you hook it foul. Darn it. You know, that was your pitch, <laughs> you know, and that's the problem. But yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. I, Guys, there's so much more I want to talk about, but we do have to limit the show. We're already over. Wow. Eric has been incredible. Eric Garfield has taken it to the next level. Eric, your knowledge is super, super deep. We'd love to have you come back on and talk more about other prospects beyond the Orioles. But of course, Anytime. you should officially be you should officially be our Orioles go-to guy here because as you know, Orioles back. are my okay. All right, there we go. The Orioles are my second team. You know, when I moved to Maryland and they were in the shitter. The absolute shitter. I moved there in 2017, Eric. So, I mean, I watch, I watch Mike Clevenger. <laughs> I watch Mike Clevenger throw a shutout against the Orioles in April of 2018 at Camden. It was, the game was seriously 92 minutes. Mike Clevenger and the Guardians were the Indians back then. They beat that Oriole team in 2018 in about 95 minutes, two to nothing. Clevenger complete game shutout. That team had nothing. There was nobody there. We get the best seats in the house for nothing. And now you look at the progress here in such a short time. I mean, that's got to be pretty exciting, isn't it? Oh man, it mean it it it, mean, it means everything. And the, you know, if I had to choose a course of how it would be, smart drafts, develop them, and let them be the superstars at their pace. So the you know the top seven, eight, nine guys in the system were drafted and developed by the O's. And they're not signing a ton of free agents. You know, I'm sure you check Roto World and everything like that. So they traded for a couple upgrades on their vets last year. And it's going to be Grayson. It's going to be Gunner. It's going to be Westberg, yeah. Ortiz, Kowser, you know, all the way up to join Adley Rushman. So, yo. Right. 2017 stunk for you. I was alive mm -hmm. in 1988 when they started 0-21. Yeah. They just didn't yeah. win for the first month. So there's been a yeah. lot of days for Orioles fans, but. I'm finally. I, I really. I really believe this. I think the dark days are truly behind us. I think we're going to the playoffs this year. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially with the addition of the the playoff teams now, it's a little bit easier. Still tough, but a little easier. And they're a good team. It's not a minimization of Baltimore at all. They've got the talent. They've got the foundation. You know, they've stuck with the same manager, Hyde and Elias, with the GM and the front office. Everything is all lined together. They've all come through this together. And they kind of skipped the line, too. They weren't really supposed to do what they did last year. I mean, they lost John Means, but they continued forth. And the pitching, we got to give full credit to the fences. That was a big change. We can never forget the fences changing. That was a huge change, especially in the AL East. But I wanted to I wanted to ask you about Usnail Diaz, just for the hell of it. You know, because me and Ben talk a lot about the prospect industrial complex and how everyone does groupthink, and there's a lot of that. You clearly are not like that, I can tell, because of the way you brought it today <laughs> with your own independent thinking. But was Eusneo Diaz just a product of that system of the prospect pipeline where he got overhyped? It really wasn't fair to him, or did he just kind of peter out and never really got to where he could have been? A lot. Uh, that is such an awesome question. A lot more of a prospect hype for, from people that hadn't seen him or hadn't watched him in a series. So much more of that. He's not a bad player. He's certainly not a weak or a small athlete. But when it comes to baseball and the fine motor skills, he is, even as a mid-20s guy, he's lacking. So he missed some developmental hurdles. 
But everyone that was talking about him like he was so great, the Orioles were trying to get Dustin May in that deal. They were denied. They basically were like, if you don't take Yusnel Diaz, you're not getting a star back in this deal. And I remember thinking, like, a star? You know, moderately a centerpiece. But I, I wonder if anyone's going to give him a chance at all right now. I kind of, you know, book's out on him. He doesn't adjust well. He doesn't impact the ball well for a strong guy. He's an outfielder with a good arm that doesn't cover a ton of ground. So, you know, I, I, I think it's – man, what a great question. A lot more of A, people just not seeing him. By the way, his signing bonus, I think, was the highest in the history of the international draft. So, it started at the very, very, very – I want to say like yeah. 14. Like, it started at the very beginning of his career. <laughs> when he, was... he went the way of Victor Victor Mesa instead of the way of Ronald Acuna. Yeah. And always was a guy who his numbers looked really good. And so people were persuaded by the stat line, not so much what they saw on the field. Right. Because. Which was relatively unimpressive most of the time. I mean, you, you, you could put together a really pretty, you could put together a really pretty, video highlight series for him because he does have that strong arm. So you get a few shots of him throwing somebody out at second base or at third base. You get a few, you know, he is a relatively strong guy. So when he really catches hold of one, he puts it 450. You know, he gets a pretty good on base because he's borderline he's he walks that line between patient and maybe to the point where he's passive at the plate. And uh, so Kevin Biggio, because he's, because of that, he's always got a lot of walks. And so that always had people going, well, you know, he draws a lot of walks. He gets on base. He's strong. You know, he's he must a be a feared arm, hitter. So really good right field profile. So, you know, maybe that's a guy we can do something with. And because of that, and then, you also have to realize when he came into the league, we had this huge push that everybody wanted their new Cuban guy. There was just kind of this oh, big the, thing. Yazio I got to sign the newest and latest Cuban. It was during that time. Yeah, Cuba got opened up and everybody wanted to get a Cuban prospect. You know, Jose Abreu had signed and had been good. And so everybody wanted Chapman. And yeah, and as a pitcher, yeah, Chapman had been good. You know, they all, everybody wanted the next guy like that, or Puig, or, you know, they wanted to find the next, everyone thought that they were, the next guy that they signed from Cuba was going to be that, except that, no, it takes time to develop. It takes, you know, what they re- didn't realize is, yeah, once you take the top three, four guys off the top of, you know, once you skim the top of the milk, what you're left with is milk. You take the froth off, you're left with milk, you know? It's you know you. I'll tell you the strangest thing about about Diaz came from the Dodgers system, which right now he would absolutely not fit in in any way whatsoever. No. And then traded to the Orioles system, which I guess in a previous iteration he fit, but now no shot. You know we no. got young. We got Hudson Haskins is it would outperform him in a second every metric and every game. So. He got passed real fast. I, you know that those are the things that tell me. You know this maybe there's just not a fit for him anymore. He might 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 have to find a real job. 
And Haskin, <laughs> frankly, Haskin might not even be a top like 15 guy in the process in the system right now, which isn't a knock on him. It's just how deep the system has gotten. That's yeah, that's really that impressive. You know, yeah, I there it is. Haskin. Chad heard he just might not Chad be heard a, the name. Yeah. <laughs> it is. He just he just might not be it's just that deep of a system that a guy that talented might not be able to make it as a top 15 guy in the system right now, which, you know, and that's still a 45 future value, 45 type of guy, Good you know, a, a guy that right now you'd project as a, an up and down, you know, viable starter for a losing ball club. You know, like a, yeah. a Royals last year, <laughs> you know, let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, that's a type of a, a team that a guy, a guy like Haskin, where his profile would start, you know, that's that's the type of profile that he has. And that yep. guy right now is barely making the top 15 in that system. So, I mean, that's really a fun system. to. It's, like I said, it's a fun contrast because you have maybe the best system in the game and absolutely the worst system in the game right now. So <laughs> I like the contract at both sides. Hey, I like you, Eric. This has been so much fun, man. Thanks so much okay. for bringing your very, very detailed up close and personal analysis too. He's not some guy just sitting at a computer. He's on the ground there. He's troops on the ground, moving, making it happen. That's what I like to have. I like to have, I mean, Ben, I trust Ben because he connects with the right people. I mean, Ben brought us Eric here, so that's immediately the type of trust I have in Ben. And you guys know Ben's been in the game, and he's made certain sacrifices for his own life and the people around him to not really do what Eric does all the time. But we still know Ben knows what he's doing inside and out, even if he can't always be there on the ground floor. So thank you, Ben. Really great stuff. We got Atlanta. We did Baltimore here. Next three. We want to know the next three. You know, we could dive in here and do a four-hour show, but that's all we're doing with this program. We try to give you a taste, and we give you as much as we can here, and we've already gone over. It's a bonus. It's a bonus content for you. It's a holidays. There's a little bonus for you. Sometimes so, it takes extra minutes to educate fans. Yeah, there we go. That's okay. That's <laughs> Anthony says here, Alex Guerrero failed. So since he said that, i got to play this. We've been doing drugs for two days with Pedro Guerrero. Yeah, he was referencing yeah. that, so. Pedro Guerrero. That was OJ. OJ's a murderer now. Uh, Pedro Guerrero didn't murder anybody, so Pedro Guerrero may have had... You you know, Pedro Guerrero could have been a Hall of Famer. It's funny. That's a total random comment, but he really could have been. He was was a very good ball player. He was. Oh, he had all the skill in the world. He could have been a Hall of Famer if he... He just didn't stay on that track. And that's how it goes. It's not just about talent, right, Eric? It's about what foundation you have, mental acuity in terms of are you willing to pay the price? Do you have the awareness to understand yourself and get humbled by the game but still bounce back from it? All these things matter. So as we leave, tell everybody where they can find more information about you because people want to follow you and they want to connect with you. They want to see your videos. So just lay it out real quick. Twitter, Eric underscore Birdland. Instagram, Eric underscore Birdland 22. Wait till camp start in February. I'll have videos and updates on every single prospect in Sarasota for the Orioles at two complexes doing drills. And uh, I look forward to sharing positive news with fans of the Orioles and, and baseball in general. And thanks for educating me on the Braves. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about something that I actually know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> of course. Eric, it's been a pleasure, man. Of course, uh, we didn't talk about the Tigers, but... Go Tigers! Yeah, we'll get to the Tigers yeah. down the road there. Uh, Justin Henry Malloy. 
Uh, by the way, Eric, I'm going to hook up with you because I'm thinking about going out to spring training, and the Tigers oh. are in the oldest spring training facility in spring training, whether it's Arizona or Florida, in Lakeland at Joker Martin Stadium, which has been there since, like, the 30s, I think? It's really old. They did a lot of updates in the seating bowl, and it looks really new. One of my closest friends lives in Lakeland. I go to Lakeland all the time. And I was about to say, for you guys or anyone that's listening at all, when it when it's camp season, I have access to wherever I want to go. If you're a baseball fan and you get in touch with me, I'll drag you to Twin Lakes, the Orioles complex, and we can go in the cages. We can watch the bullpen sessions like up close. You know, it's like a baseball fan's vacation, but it's really like my life. So I'm I'm very happy to share with anybody who wants to. That's so cool, Eric. Thank you so much. I believe every word you said. You're a genuine guy, and this has been a pleasure. So, everybody, give Eric your thanks. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere, Eric underscore Birdland. Follow Ben on Twitter, Big Gentle Ben. I'm at MJ Govier. Of course, Blotzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah. That's it. The Discord link's in the live chat. If you're new, sign up for that. And we wish you all a wonderful holiday season. We'll be back after the new year. We'll be moving forward with two more teams. We'll be talking about it all the way through the offseason until opening day. Thanks to Eric Garfield. We'll see you guys after the new year. Bye-bye. The power of prospects is a curious thing. Make a person trade everything for a king. Wander Franco is your one true love. For a prospect, you'll trade all the Sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of prospects. That's the power of prospects. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.